Today on Ag News Daily. Oddly enough, there was a there was a pretty relatively intense drought that happened in 2012. And in that time frame, that was the year, you know, before the season started, I made up my mind I was going to do the faucet program and pipe planner and I was going to do irrigation. Good afternoon and welcome to a Tech Tuesday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr reporting by myself today. Delaney had some scheduling issues, which is totally okay. Definitely missing out on our chat today because I wanted to talk about it being Fat Tuesday. And I didn't know if Delaney or any of our other really Midwesterners knew about Fat Tuesday, celebrated Fat Tuesday. I know it's kind of a big thing down here in the South, especially in parts of Louisiana for folks that do celebrate Mardi Gras. But I don't know if I'll be participating a whole lot this year, trying to watch my figure. So I don't know that I'll be participating in Fat Tuesday and celebrating eating all those rich delicious foods. But either way, I wanted to chat a little bit about that at the top of the podcast. But some other things that we have to, of course, chat about today is the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Of course, tensions are still rising over there. But one thing that I did want to talk about today is the rise of global food prices. These are set to store still further after Russia's attack on Ukraine has threatened supply chains, pushing up commodity markets. It has been reported that these disruptions are expected to, quote, wreak havoc on food supply flows. So that's definitely something I think that we're going to be looking out for as time goes on, what's going on you know, at the grocery stores, in the markets, those kinds of things, which I think is to be expected here as we continue to really watch what's going on. But Another thing that I wanted to discuss before we stop talking about Russia and Ukraine this afternoon is crude oil prices. These are up more than 10% right now. And members of the International Energy Agency have agreed to release 60 million barrels of crude oil from reserves to cool the markets down with half of that occurring in the U.S., But that has thus far done little to slow the rise of prices, according to Stonex. And the reason for that is that 60 million barrels of crude accounts for less than one day of usage on the world market. So a much bigger impact could be had if governments would take steps to open up and to facilitate drilling and production, eliminating some of the regulatory restrictions on the industry. And Stonex is saying that these 60 million barrels will not go far in a crisis that looks to extend past this week and perhaps deep into the future. So I think we're going to see a little bit of back and forth here, but we will continue to report on the Russia invasion of Ukraine and see what kind of impact they're going to have from a geopolitical standpoint, from an agriculture standpoint. So do stay tuned in as we go through those things. But Apart from Russia, Ukraine, I do have quite a bit of other news to discuss here today, and one of those being the H5N1 strain of bird flu. We're continuing to watch that story develop as well over on some Dutch lands. Around 47,000 chickens on a farm in the eastern Dutch city of Wage Ningen will be culled after the detection of bird flu. There was a similar report from the north of the country on Monday evening, which led authorities to order the culling of 37,000 chickens. 
More than 20 cases of this form of bird flu have been reported in the Netherlands this year. So a whole lot going on when it comes to the poultry industry, you know, not even just abroad, but, you know, we've been reporting on a couple of cases here. And in fact, the Michigan Department of Agriculture is asking poultry owners to report any suspicious cases of H5N1 as migrating birds move north. State vet Dr. Nora Wineland told Brownfield Ag News that until last week, there have not been any reported cases in Michigan since 2015 when the disease was reported in wild birds. However, the department is still encouraging poultry owners to sign up for their list serve to receive alerts and best practices as the situation develops. So, high alerts in some places here in the U.S. until outbreaks are really diminished here. Moving on, I have a piece of news from the USDA's Foreign Ag Service as they have lowered their outlook now for Argentina's soybean crop. Of course, this is due to hot, dry weather during some of these key periods of development that are stunting growth, yields, and depleting soil moisture. And of course, we've been following along with the drought down in South America, so I don't think that this comes as a big shock. However, the FAS has the crop at 41 million tons, which is 4 million less than the last official estimate, and 3.5 million below a year ago. So we're going to continue to watch this story as well. I think there's a lot of developments when it comes to agriculture right now. A lot of stories that we're going to have to be following up with here in the near future. You guys can always find those stories at agnewsdaily.com. I'm going to move on to another piece of news that I have here talking about spring insurance prices being set. This year's spring crop insurance guarantees are some of the highest that we've seen on record here. And I think that this really comes at a time in a, in a growing season that has a lot of uncertainty, volatility to be expected. But the uh, spring crop insurance guarantee for corn at the moment is $5.90 per bushel, $1.05 higher than last year, and the highest since 2011. For soybeans, the guarantee set a record at $14.33, which is up $2.46 from last year. Spring wheat also established a record at $9.19 per bushel, increasing 41% from last year's guarantee. DTN says that the guarantees are an essential component of revenue protection crop insurance policies, and it's reported that farmers should also expect premiums to increase along with higher coverage levels. I'm going to be sharing this article on our socials as well, so you can take a deeper look into what's really going to be expected here this growing season when it comes to spring insurance prices and dig a little deeper yourself. I just have one other piece of news that I wanted to share with you guys today, and it's talking about two British men as they have been charged by federal prosecutors in New York with defrauding people into investing nearly $100 million in loans, supposedly backed by an inventory of expensive wine that didn't actually exist. And I don't know if you guys have really been keeping up with the Netflix shows right now. I know Delaney is one of those kinds of people that there is a kind of docu-series type show going on right now called Inventing Anna, where this woman basically frauded a bunch of New York socialites into believing that she was starting up a club and they invested a ton of money into her and nothing actually happened. And it's an interesting story, but I feel like this is kind of going along the same way. 
According to a grand jury indictment announced today, Stephen Burton and James Wellesley induced people to invest in loans supposedly brokered by their company, Bordeaux Sellers, and collateralized by wine that they stored for wealthy collectors. Bordeaux sellers allegedly had custody of thousands fewer wines than loans documents reflected. Prosecutors said Burton and Wellesley both used multiple aliases and used loan proceeds to make fraudulent interest payments to investors or her personal expenses in a scheme that ran from June 2017 to February 2019. Both men were charged with wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, and money laundering conspiracy, and could face up to 20 years in prison. But folks, that's all the news that I had to share with you for today. So I'm ready to hop into the markets. And as you can imagine, grains are still higher as Russia and Ukraine continue to have tension. So hopping right in here to the corn March contract up 42 and a quarter to close at 739 and three quarters. The May up 35 cents to close at 725 and three quarters. In soybeans, the March contract up 61 and a quarter to close at 1705 and a half. The May up 53 and a quarter to close at 1690. In spring wheat, the March contract up 65 cents to close at 1054. The May up 59 and three quarters to close at 1053 and three quarters. Heading over into the livestock markets, right across the screen for cattle, live cattle here, the April contract down 90 cents to close at 140.52 and a half. The June down 65 cents to close at 137.05. Feeder cattle, the March contract closed $1.45 lower at 156.27 and a half. The May down at $2.20 at 159.80. In lean hogs, strength here in the April contract as it closed $2.70 higher at 106.20. The May up $3.22.5 at 110.87.5. Closing things out with our class three dairy milk futures, the March contract up 24 cents to close at 22.29. The April up 31 cents to close at 23.06. With that, let's kick it over to our Tech Tuesday conversation with Nathan Holmes of Pump Tracker. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, we are talking to Nathan Holmes, who is the founder of Pump Tracker. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we get into Pump Tracker and what it is that you guys offer, I want to talk a little bit more about your ag roots because you are a farmer-owned company, and I know that you work with your father on your operation or you have in the past. So why don't we dive into that a little bit? Okay. So yeah, dad and I still farm together and we have my whole life um, learned how to drive at the old age of 12, like a lot of farm kids and just grew up on the farm. Um, irrigation is, is a part of our life. It's a, you know, we rice, corn, soybeans, we, pivots, row irrigation. We were invested in a lot of irrigation. And I guess um, over the long haul, I mean, we can get into it later, but what brought me to the to the point where I thought I, somebody in this in this ag business needs to make something like Pump Tracker. But uh, yeah, so dad and I still farm together and he's my business partner on the Pump Tracker app also. 
Nathan, I've got to ask a quick follow-up. Growing rice and all of the different variety of crops that you grow, I'm guessing you're located somewhere in the southern portion of the United States? We are in the southeast boot heel of Arkansas. So if you drew a line straight across and and, and left Arkansas nice and straight, we we would technically be in Arkansas, but we're right on the edge. Okay. Gotcha. So you were kind of alluding a little bit there to your journey with Pump Tracker and facing this challenge yourself, but walk us through, maybe it was an epiphany or an aha moment. Maybe it was just a continuation of events that led up to starting it, but what was, how did you get here? How did you get to Pump Tracker? Well, oddly enough, there was a, there was a pretty relatively intense drought that happened in 2012. And in that time frame, that was the year, you know, before the season started, I made up my mind I was going to use the faucet program and pipe planner, and I was going to do irrigation super efficient. I was going to, it was going to be great. And high, high dreams sometimes can be, you know, met with some adversity. And that year became really tough. The drought was, was intense there. We were running, all of our irrigation was running at the same time. We were bouncing around from place to place. Actually, just a few days ago, I was flipping through some old notes. Uh, looking for some content in my OneDrive stack, and I found a note set of how we used to record what pumps were running, and it was a scribbled mess. And I'm really glad I saved it. I should probably make an ad about it someday and say, if you're doing irrigation this way, you need pump tracker. It was, it had all the wells listed in the date times, and we had X's if it was on and O's if it was off, and it was, it was very confusing. And so at the at the midway point of that summer, I ended up with a case of shingles. My doctor said, you have got to figure out why your life is so stressful. I'm like, I'm a farmer. <laughs> Probably need to change the way I'm doing something. And that kind of began the journey to, and I, I don't know if you can say it like that as a journey, but we started, there's got to be a better way. And so I tried several different practices, different things, um, trying to get more efficient. And then about five years ago is when the pump tracker app itself took place. And that's when I took it upon myself to use my one year of college education and computer programming and write my own own app. And I'll let you ask any questions you have after that. Yeah, I mean, I just have a a follow up here because, you know, we've talked about pump tracker and, you know, how it manages your irrigation system, but there's a couple of different things that you can do within the app other than just, you know, seeing really what's going on. So why don't we dive into that a little bit? Perfect. Thank you. So what I realized through that time period of trying to figure out how to do things more efficiently, it wasn't that I needed to just be able to get my phone out and push a button and turn something on or off. I really needed a way to communicate to my employees what I needed to have them do. And they needed a cleaner, more efficient way to tell me what they had done. So the olden days, I guess we'll call it, somebody would say, hey, go over to the, the Hearst Farm and turn on that north pump. And the employee could, maybe he doesn't know what the Hearst Farm is. Maybe he hasn't been around long enough. Maybe when your directions are turn at the tree at the end of the road and the tree was cut down two years ago, it's hard for a new employee to figure out where on earth he's going. And it creates a lot of friction between managers and employees. So one of the core benefits that Pump Tracker offers is this way for the employees to see what they need to do on their phone. And a lot of these younger guys who are hiring are getting more and more comfortable with, with phone apps. And it gives me as a manager on the other side of the farm, trying to figure out what I'm going to spray on my beans next or scouting my corn, a way to pull a phone out or look at my watch and know that 
what I needed to have done is happening. That's that's the core of Pump Tracker. Now everything else is just add-on stuff. Yeah, we can turn pumps on and off. We can keep track of what your fuel level is. We can keep track of what's broken and what part guy needs to deliver what, and then the fuel guy where he needs to deliver the fuel to. But at its core, it's made so that me as a manager can free up my brain to make better decisions on other things without being burdened down with the details of irrigation. Now, Nate, on your website, pumptracker.com, and there's no E in tracker, no C in tracker, just so folks <laughs> know how to spell it if right. they're looking around for it. But you have a lot of screenshots of the phone application interface, like you're talking about there that your workers might use or you as a boss may use to direct employees on what they should be looking at or what they should be watching. Is Pump Tracker right now just this mobile application or is there a hardware component that goes along with it as well? Okay, good question. So we're both. Um, Pump Tracker is made so you can use the app, phone app, as a record-keeping source and basically have your people, your employees, or yourself log what you intended what pump you've turned on and it'll keep track of what you said you did. And then you can start sprinkling in IOT devices as you see it makes sense on your farm or as you see it's economically viable to do. A lot of farms start off with the basic app, no hardware, you know, within 10 miles of their shop. And then those pumps that are the 30 mile drives, they start automating those first. You know, it's like a diesel power unit is $326 to automate in the pump tracker app. So the cost, Dad and I agreed that the cost is a barrier to entry for IoT technology and irrigation. The only way that there's going to be widespread use of stuff like this to save fuel, save water, and save management stress is going to be making the product flexible so the farmers can choose how much they want to add to their farm and what makes sense for them, and then making the cost of the actually to automate a diesel unit low enough that someone would say, well, I'm way better off to buy that as to not buy it. So then farms start off with two or three automated units and start growing from there. And they don't feel like they have to jump all in at one time. You know, Nathan, Delaney is mentioning your website here. And on that website, you guys have a couple of testimonials from folks that are actually using the pump tracker system. So what are you really hearing from the industry? What kind of feedback are you guys getting on this tool? Well, that's, fun. I, I love it when people call me up and they're excited and they get as excited about something as I am making it. I really love it when my favorite, my favorite is when farmers use the app for a year and they come back and they say, I love everything, but I wish it did X. And then we have a conversation about whatever that is. Maybe it's a water depth sensor or, or some other tracking unit. And we can start down the process working with that guy directly to meet the needs on his farm in such a way that Somebody in, in South Louisiana could use that too. Um, all of us farmers, it seems like from Canada to the Gulf, all are, are basically the same, but we all have different topography, different water table, you know, different needs, different crop needs, different seasons. So everybody has the same mentality of what they want to do. They want to conserve water. They want to conserve fuel and they want to de-stress their management. But what they need to do that is different as you move across the U.S. And it's neat to see Pump Tracker hit in places where I didn't expect it to fit. 
And I find it ironic that you mentioned your doctor said you need to take some stress out of your life. Although now <laughs> being a farmer and a business owner, I can't imagine that that took away a ton of stress. You have new headaches, I'm sure, to deal with. But yeah. you've been in, in the industry, in this business for, it sounds like a little bit over a year, maybe closer to two. What future plans do you have with this? You mentioned that you love getting customer feedback. What feedback have they given you that has said... Here's our path forward into the future. Yeah, the, the, the feedback in that regard is just, you know, it was stressful before and now it's helping me. A lot of people are, are having new hirees that are coming out of jobs where there were non-ag at all, McDonald's, Walmart, whatever. And they're jumping into the farm agriculture life. Or we have tons of South African people coming over that work here on H2A visas and they show up at a farm and they really don't know where everything is. And they're able to use the pump tracker app to figure out where all the farms are and get acclimated to their area and get up to speed working on that particular farm in record time instead of three or four weeks it's it's days to become acclimated to a farm which is really cool well nathan we've certainly enjoyed getting to know you as well as pump tracker a little bit more here if our audience wants to learn a little bit more get in contact with you whatever how can they find you on the web okay well our website is pump tracker p-u-n-p-t-r-a-k-r.com like you said it's spelled a little different but when you're dyslexic like me they say you can spell it <laughs> however you want so that's what i did <laughs> um so so check us out on the website we also have a facebook presence my phone number is on the website. Welcome calls at all times. Um, really excited about what we built. Like I said, this isn't something that, yeah, the, the name Pump Tracker has been out for a couple of years in the public, but we didn't rush to market as soon as we had something built. I built my first version of this app, used it on my farm. Then we built a professional version of this through a, a agency that helped me, about 25 people to make this app actually happen. We have a uh, supply warehouses in Des Moines, Iowa and North Carolina that build our hardware and ship direct to customers. And now that we have the, the structure and the framework of a business that's sustainable, now we're taking this out to market and we're hitting the market with something that's tested and not just some new off-the-shelf crazy idea. Well, again, Nathan, thank you for coming on and chatting with us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. I've had a very fun time. Thanks again there to Nathan for joining us for our Tech Tuesday episode today. Certainly enjoyed getting to talk to him. And we always enjoy talking to our Tech Tuesday interviews, as well as everyone else that we have here on the podcast. A lot of interesting things really going on here at the moment. So we never run out of things to talk about here at Ag News Daily. So be sure to keep up with us wherever you listen to your podcasts. With that, I'm going to let the people go.